The 82-game preseason is in the books, and it's finally time for the real season. Don't miss out on any of the NBA playoff action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. From the play-in tournament through the finals, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered with same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code ROSS. New customers bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. That's code ROSS only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It's a Monster Monday presented by DraftKings. You know I love me some DraftKings, the new DK Sportsbook app. Get on it and get on the winning side of spread the word winner or sponsor confirmation email winner. Really looking forward to the conversation with Emmanuel Acho momentarily. I think you guys hopefully are going to learn a decent amount from it. But I also hope a decent amount of you decide, you know what? Ross does a good job. He asks pretty much every episode if we help spread the word via social media. I'm going to do it. Either at Ross Tucker NFL or at Ross Tucker Pod. It starts with actually following both of us on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. And then actually going ahead and carrying it out and giving the retweet. Or the love on Facebook. Or the like on Facebook. Or the like on Instagram. You can also win on Friday if you take advantage of any of our sponsors on the homepage or the sponsor tab at RossTucker.com or just ones you hear me say. Like the easiest one right now is just get the DraftKings app on your phone. It's really that easy. And then put in the code Ross when you sign up before you forget. And boom, you're so money it's not even funny. Whether it's DFS or Sportsbook, get it on your phone. Even if your state's not legal yet, get it on your phone so that you actually have it ready to rock and roll. Patron shout out, Fred Sanchez. Love you, Fred. Patreon.com slash RT Media. We're racking up the patrons again. It's Big Show time. The Big Show. Literally the perfect guy to have on today's show Emmanuel Acho with everything going on, a longtime NFL player, uh, went to the University of Texas, does a terrific job for ESPN, and dare I say does even a better job with the new series of videos he has started called Uncomfortable Conversations. I think last time I checked, he got about a zillion retweets and likes. You got to check him out on Twitter. At the E-Man Acho, at the E-Man Acho. Emmanuel, really appreciate 
you coming on the show. And I guess if you could just start with that, just start with your idea for this uncomfortable conversation series that so many people have appreciated. Ross, thank you, my friend. Um, you know, currently the video stands at 15 million views collectively across three platforms, and that number is climbing, um, which is just incredible. I'm grateful because the message has been received. And ultimately, I've realized, Ross, that so many of my white friends, if I can be honest, my white brothers and sisters, they want to help. They want to bridge this racial divide but they're, they don't know what they don't know. And they have so many questions, Ross, that they've never had a safe space to ask a black person. And so I said, you know what? Let's have these uncomfortable conversations. I want to address why, why do black people allegedly care more about white on black crime than black on black crime? How come black people can say the N-word, but white people can't? Why do black people think white privilege exists and, and why are black people rioting? Ross, I wanted to answer this question from my dear white friends who don't have a safe space. And I feel like it, it really resonated with so many, man. And I'm just very, I'm very thankful, bro. You know, it's really interesting because, um, you know, I have a lot of white friends from where I grew up and college and whatever. Uh, but, you know, both in college and in the NFL, I also have some black friends as well. And so I've been able to have conversations. I know probably a year or two ago, I had Ryan Harris, a longtime NFL offensive lineman on the show. And he talked about some of his experiences with getting pulled over, how he felt, how he was treated. And and so many listeners gave tremendous feedback and they really, really appreciated that. And because a lot of these guys I've played with or they know I played or whatever, I am able to ask those questions. I am able to ask a lot of the questions that, frankly, most of my friends don't have anybody to ask. So I think it's a great series. I highly encourage everybody to check it out on all of Emmanuel's social platforms. And if you don't mind, Emmanuel, I was hoping to sort of play off your popular series and ask you a few questions, some of which are probably mine and others I've just heard other people say. So are you ready? Yes, please. Okay. Um, So last Wednesday, obviously, Drew Brees went on Yahoo Finance, and then Thursday morning he issued an apology, and there was all kinds of backlash as a result. So I actually had someone on the radio recently ask me this. And their question was, isn't Drew Brees entitled to his opinion as it relates to protests during the national anthem? What would be your response to that, Emmanuel, about whether or not Brees is entitled to his opinion? Everyone is entitled to their opinion. Drew Brees is entitled to his. And I am entitled to my opinion about Drew Brees based on his opinion about an issue. Let me clarify that again. I'm entitled to my opinion about Drew Brees based on his opinion about an issue. We all are entitled to our opinions. It's almost even a, Ross, it's a cliche that we we throw around in this day and age. Well, I'm entitled to my opinion. We throw that around to say ignorant stuff. Let me clarify for those who have forgotten. Nate Boyer. I played with Nate Boyer at Texas. He was a Green Beret, short-time long snapper for the Seahawks. 
Nate Boyer told Colin Kaepernick to take a knee. Green Beret, a high-ranking military person, uh, is what Nate Boyer was. He is the person who told Colin Kaepernick, hey, bro, rather than sitting down, it would be more honorable if you took a knee. This is coming from one of Kaepernick's peers. Kaepernick was willing to listen. I would say that Drew Brees, while he is entitled to his opinion, his opinion is a little bit ignorant, and it's pushing an agenda. We all know Colin Kaepernick was never intending to disrespect the flag. And if you didn't know that back in 2016, allow me to clarify. Colin Kaepernick never meant to disrespect the flag. The knee was never about the flag. The knee was to raise awareness. And furthermore, Ross, I put it like this. I I had an interview with with Gail King, uh, and I told her this. I said, you cannot tell someone how you would like them to protest your oppression. The oppressor can't tell the oppressed how to protest their oppression. Think about that for a second. That's intrinsically built into the fact that an oppressor is existing. Like, Ross, if if you were mistreating me, I can't be like, hey, Ross, um, excuse me, sir, how would you like me to um, protest the fact that you're bullying me? How, How would you like me to do that? That's not how it works. Now, again, I understand that some people won't hear me and some people won't be willing to listen, but I just urge, beg, and plead with people to understand it's not about the flag. It never was. And that agenda was only pushed to distract people from Colin Kaepernick's main point. But I will say this, Ross, because you got to look at both sides. Obviously, Cap took some missteps. He shouldn't have wore the pig socks. You know, the, the police is pigs. He shouldn't have done that. that. That wasn't smart. Because if you give people a reason not to listen, they will take you up on that. So, In conclusion, Drew is entitled to his opinion, but I can think that Drew's opinion was stupid. I can think that Drew was ignorant because that is my opinion as well. Uh, Very interesting. So I live in central Pennsylvania. I've got this podcast. And also before that, I had a call-in radio show, right? And there are still a large percentage of people i don't know what i don't know if it's 35 percent, 45 whatever but i know a lot of people emmanuel that are offended by anyone doing anything during the national anthem other than standing and they understand that whoever does it is not protesting the flag they're not protesting the military but just the act in and of itself offends them and it's interesting because when i hear you say you cannot tell someone how you would like them to protest i i guess part of me wonders i I think it's difficult like i i don't i don't feel like i can ever tell somebody whether or not they should be offended right like native americans have the right to decide whether or not they're offended by the name washington redskins right like i can't you know i i can't tell them whether or not to be offended is it not okay? Like, are we are we telling the people that are offended by any player taking or doing anything during the anthem? Is it not okay that they're offended, or are we are we telling them that they're not allowed to be offended by that? Not at all. So I'm not saying don't be offended. <clears throat> what I am doing is I am clarifying. <laughs> I'm clarifying what this person meant. For example. <clears throat> I got an email in response to my video from a sweet woman from Canada. And she said, hey, your video really impacted me. I now am so eager to go talk to my colored friends. 
I said, hey, dear, um, I've never met this woman before. I said, using the word colored in, refer- in reference to black people is offensive. Now, let me tell you why. Now, I told her, I know you don't mean it because you're from Canada. And she even spelled colored C-O-L-O-U-R-E-D. I said, so I know you mean no offense by it. Um, and therefore, I wasn't offended. Ross, I would argue that it's the same thing. I'm not going to tell someone, hey, don't be offended. What I'm going to do is I'm going to translate what this person meant. The girl that emailed me and called me colored, she didn't mean to disrespect me. She was just trying to communicate a message with me. When Colin Kaepernick was taking a knee during the national anthem, he did not mean to disrespect the flag. He was just trying to send a message. So by no means, Ross, am I saying, you can't be offended. That's not what I'm saying, bro. I wouldn't say that. What I am simply trying to do is translate like, hey, Colin Kaepernick does not mean to offend anyone by this. And if you can pause for a second and, and look at what he's standing or kneeling rather for, maybe you would be like, you know what? Hell, like may, maybe, maybe now is the time. What is a greater time, Ross, to raise awareness than during a football game, which will garner anywhere from five to 15 million viewers. And so I agree with you wholeheartedly, Ross. I'm not going to tell someone when, if, and how to be offended, but I am going to try to clarify what this person means so that they can understand, oh, okay, they don't, they don't mean anything by it. Let me hear what they're saying. You know, I'm really glad we're doing this, and I'm glad I have a chance to talk to you. I think one of the things that concerns me is that there aren't, there isn't a whole lot of this going on. There, you know, it it seems like I'll be honest with you, Emmanuel. I am when I go on a radio and I do a radio hit, or even on this show, I'm a little bit nervous every time because what I've learned is from some of the emails and tweets I've gotten. Even if I think I've said everything right. I've said what I believe. I've still gotten emails from people. One email, somebody said they didn't hear enough anger in my voice. One email said I didn't mention, um, you know, George Floyd's family members. I, I think we're 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 almost at a dangerous time where I, I think if people are afraid to talk about it because they're worried that. Some people out there won't like exactly how they phrased it or exactly what their tone is. I think it's tough to really make progress if people like me are are nervous on platforms. Does that make sense? Is that fair? No, you, you dude, you are exactly right. This is the most truthful thing uh, you've said on the airwaves un- under my ears. Um, the reason, Ross, that we are currently in the state we are in is because people are scared to have conversations. I've gotten hundreds and I kid you not hundreds of emails in response to my video. And I'm not talking about comments or direct messages, hundreds of emails simply saying, Hey man, I've been too scared to ask, but you told me in your video that this was a safe space. So here goes nothing. Dot, dot, dot. Ross, if we would step out of our comfort comfort zone and have these quote unquote uncomfortable conversations, then we can all grow in our knowledge because now I, I, I never really looked at it like um, from the perspective of, well, you can't tell somebody whether or not they should be offended by a flag. 
And now you've heard me out and your listeners have heard me out like, okay, maybe he's right. Like maybe Colin Kaepernick didn't mean anything disrespect by it. So let me choose not to be offended. Because remember, Ross, being defended is a choice. You can choose whether or not you want to be offended. So back to your main point, if we would choose as a society to communicate more, specifically with people that don't look like us, then that is how we will grow. And that's why, Ross, I took the initiative to make that video, because I wanted to preemptively answer questions that I know were coming down the pipeline. You know, one of the other people that, that's come under fire recently is Vic Fangio, who also, like Breeze, the head coach of the Broncos, issued an apology. And I understand why people were offended by it, um, because there clearly is, you know, some racism in the NFL and there are examples we could get into there. But I would also say, Emmanuel, I think I know what he meant. This is a guy that's like 65, that's an old school D coordinator. And I think what he's saying is when it comes time for him to pick the players that are going to be on the roster or start or who's on the team or whatever, or when they draft, He's never cared whether they were black, brown, white, yellow, whatever. He's just putting the best players out there. Because what I tell a lot of my friends from college and where I grew up, which was very white, what I tell them is I wish that society could be like an NFL locker room. Never once in my seven years did I see a guy, at least as far as I knew, that cared about the race or religious beliefs, or even nobody was out at the time, but even sexual preference. I mean, it was just, we're all together in this together for a common goal. I feel like society would be a lot better off, Emmanuel, if we could be like a locker room. If we could say, hey, we're all in this together, and we're all trying to win the game. We're all trying to win life. Like, am I crazy for saying that? No, you're exactly right. But remember what a locker room has, Ross. A locker room has exposure. A locker room has education because of exposure. Let me elaborate. I'm first-generation American. I grew up without any dogs uh, because in Nigeria, uh, where my parents are from, you just don't have pets. I got attacked by a dog when I was younger, Ross. So as a 29-year-old man now walking through a park, I can't decipher between a dog that's a threat and a dog that means no harm. And it's the same thing with America. We have white people, white brothers and sisters. They can't decipher between a black man that's a threat and a black man who's just black. We have black people who can't decipher between a white person that's a racist and a white person, Ross, who's just white. I think the problem with Vic Vangio's comments, and, and I'll just kind of read, uh, read the quote, is he said that I don't see racism. Racism doesn't exist in the NFL. The NFL is a meritocracy. Ignorance, Ross, is problematic because he's quite literally wrong. Um, after the Rooney rule, which made, you, um, made it, which Im made it imperative to interview a black head coach in 2003, the Rooney rule was implemented. In 2007, for the first time in NFL history, we had two black head coaches coaching in the Super Bowl. That's not a coincidence, Ross. It's not a coincidence to any of your listeners. Um, the NFL is comprised of white owners, white owners because they have money, well, how do they have money? Because of generational wealth. Why aren't there any black owners? Because black people don't have generational wealth. White people, based on cronyism, they hire their friends. Cronyism meaning 
to essentially hire your friend. So they hire white general managers and white general managers, they hire white head coaches and white head coaches, they hire white assistant coaches. And so Vic Bangio, I think he's a hell of a football coach. He coached my brother with the Chicago Bears for two years. Hell of a football coach. Uh, but to say that I don't see racism, that's a problem because we need you to see it and we need you to acknowledge it so that we can fix it. Speaking of the minority hiring thing, um, what I thought was really interesting about the incentivization that came out, incentivization ideas, was that there was um, a, a very significant split in the African-American community as to incentives. And I saw your video on it. You were in favor of it, but others like uh, Marvin Lewis, Lewis Riddick, et cetera, were not. I thought that was interesting. Now that you know we're a, a couple weeks removed from that, have you changed your opinion uh, based on what you heard from Marvin Lewis or Lewis Riddick, or do you still think the incentives would be a good idea? Uh, you either have to incentivize Ross or you have to mandate. Here's why I say this. The NFL is not going to change its hiring policies or practices unless you heavily incentivize or mandate them to. There are so many NFL teams that will just interview a black head coach to check it off the list and say, we've already gone through with the Rooney rule. I know that the converse argument, Ross, is, well, don't you want to be hired based on your ability, not based on the color of your skin? Y'all know how many god dang head coaches are currently being hired just because of who they are? Cliff Kingsbury at Texas Tech. I played in the Big 12, played against Texas Tech. Cliff Kingsbury did not deserve to be hired as the Arizona Cardinals head coach. Cliff Kingsbury may turn out to be a phenomenal NFL head coach. But at the time, this dude was an average, at best, college head coach. And don't tell me he's at Texas Tech. He can't win any games. Mike Leach had Texas Tech as a top five program when he was there. So why do you think Cliff Kingsbury got hired? You tell me. So, no, I think that unless you can mandate it, Ross, I don't know how to level out the playing field. Let me, again, give you this analogy. If, 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 I, if you and I are in a race and I am held back at the starting line for the first 200 meters of that race, Ross, you can't now say, okay, Emmanuel, go and act like it's a fair race. And that's what society has tried to do. Like blackhead coaches have been, well, black people have been held back for hundreds of years just due to obviously slavery, Jim Crow laws, et cetera. But remember, like there weren't blackhead coaches in the NFL early on. There's a stat, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe it was 1984. There were only six black assistant coaches. Six in the entire NFL. And so I say that to say, how do you plan on moving the pendulum to equality unless you can mandate or incentivize something? And uh, I got to say one more thing, Ross, because I know some people are listening that'll have this idea. Well, okay, Acho, then how come you don't mandate more black players in the NFL? How come you don't mandate more, or excuse me, mandate more white players in the NFL, mandate more white skill positions? Understand, the only inhibiting factor for playing in the NFL is your athletic ability. On average, a, a black person's center of mass is 3% higher compared to a white person. That 3% translates to a 1%, 1.5% running speed advantage. 
So the people that are like, well, how come there aren't more white running backs? That has nothing to do with like uh, discrimination. <laughs> that has everything to do with genetics. The 3% advantage, it yields a 1.5% swimming advantage for a white person. So I, I don't want to hear the, 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 the rebuttals, Ross, of, well, there should be more white skill positions because that is a genetic thing. That's not a occupational discrimination thing. So, listen, I don't, I don't want to take all of your questions and you've given me more than enough time. I would just say for your next series of videos, I think, and I, and I want to encourage our listeners to check them out, again, at the E-Man Acho. I really think it's important, Emmanuel, because I don't see this happening enough places, that you define systemic racism, systematic racism, white privilege, because I've had people ask me, what, what, what do they really mean when they say that? What, what do they really mean when they say that? I think a lot of people hear those terms and really don't know what they mean. So I don't want to take your next Uncomfortable Conversation video, but those are that would be – I'll, I'll help produce it. That, those should be a couple of the questions that you answer. What do they really mean when they say white privilege? What do they really mean when they say systemic or systematic racism? And uh, if you tag me on it, I'll get everybody over here to go listen because I think that would be very, very helpful for a lot of people. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Ross, you the man. Talk soon, brother. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. I think his series is excellent. And I think asking questions to Emmanuel that I've had people ask me was ideal because he can probably give, and I think did, better answers than I can. So I thought that was uh, a better way to go about it. I think that there is a better way to go about your sports betting as well, and that's DraftKings. I know you guys know that they're the leader in daily fantasy sports, but they have America's top-rated sportsbook app, and it's a legitimate sportsbook based right here in the U.S., so you can rest assured that your funds are totally secure. This weekend, golf is back. We'll have Will Brinson will be on the Even Money podcast this week to break down the golf tournament this week and where you should place your bets. The key, though, is that you download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Just enter code ROSS when you sign up. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or PA only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Hope you guys all enjoyed that. I, I would say just to peel back the curtain a little bit, in case some of you are wondering, Emmanuel and I also, uh, actually talked uh, late last week. And if you saw my Instagram post yesterday, I am actually uh, doing a long weekend at the beach, Stone Harbor, New Jersey, enjoying some family time. So the conversation with Emmanuel was before uh, the president, Donald Trump, made his statement about how Drew Brees didn't have to apologize. And Drew Brees then responded 
and said, uh, Noah, this is why I apologized. I meant it. And this is why I said what I said. So, um, just in case you were curious, because I did ask the question about, you know, what the radio guy had asked me about if, whether or not Breeze is entitled to his opinion. So just to, uh, peel back the curtain a little bit there, um, other news on that end would be, how about what happened Friday afternoon? You had the video from Michael Thomas and Saquon Barkley and uh, a bunch of good players, well-known guys, Tyron Matthew, were on the video, Patrick Mahomes, sort of calling out the NFL and telling the NFL they wanted a response. And next thing you know, the NFL responded. So kudos to the NFL for that response. You know, I'm sure some people will look at it and say, well, they only did that because of the player's video. And maybe that's the case uh, because that's a lot of the young, good young players in the league that kind of called the NFL out. But sometimes maybe that's that's what it takes. Um, you know, a cynic would point out that the video went out Friday late afternoon, which is when sort of you do, if you're the NFL, but... In fairness, you know, it took them a day to watch the video from the players and then react to it. So I don't think, I don't think, I wouldn't look at it as a Friday afternoon news dump. But um, pretty powerful statements made by Drew Brees when he directed his social media response to President Donald Trump by the players that made that video. Evidently, it was a rogue NFL employee. It was an NFL employee that helped Michael Thomas and Saquon. And those guys make that video. And then Roger Goodell. So even since Friday morning, when we did the Cosell's concept with Greg, there's been a lot has happened on the uh, racial inequalities, social injustice, uh, police brutality front. So um, it's interesting. It's It doesn't feel like the momentum has slowed at all. In in fact, it seems like it's just continuing to gather more and more. The other news that jumped out to me since Friday, um, Luke Keekley joining the Panthers front office as a pro scout, I think is a great move for the Carolina Panthers. Evidently, he had some options as a broadcaster as well. But he's not that outgoing of a guy. You know, he's like a football, football guy. Um, I think that's a perfect fit for him. I can see him moving up the ranks in the front office and being a GM someday. Very bright guy. And I think um, front office, pro scout, looking at tendencies of players, looking at players, deciding who's good, who's not, helping the team. I, I think that's a great fit for Luke Keekley. What I don't think is a great fit or a great look at all is that Alabama, you know, had 50 players come back for voluntary workouts and then five test positive after they all worked out together. I just, I feel like maybe I missed something in the story, but I just feel like we got to be better than this. Like we got to be smarter than this. It sounded like they like got tested on a Tuesday. And then they worked out on Tuesday or Wednesday. And then they found out that five tested positive after they all worked out together. Well, what are they working out together for until after we get the results? I'd like to think that the NFL teams will be smarter about this stuff. But who knows? Lastly, sad note, a former teammate of mine, Rache Caldwell, my age, 
We played in New England together in 05, uh, or maybe 06. Maybe they signed him for 06. He was Brady's best wide receiver in 06, which is kind of scary. They, they, they would have beat the Colts. They would have won the Super Bowl that year if Belichick had not had the contract dispute with um, Deion Branch. Think about that one. It's another one they would have won. Rache Caldwell was their best receiver. Unfortunately, Rache uh, was murdered um, over the weekend. He, uh, I didn't know him very well. If you remember, he had really big eyes, like unusually big eyes. I know I had seen multiple times, you know, after his playing days, that he had gotten in trouble. Unfortunately, I have not seen any further information about how or why. They believe it is that he got murdered, but I know the Redskins, Chargers, and Patriots all released statements about the murder yesterday. That'll do it for a Monster Monday edition of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure you listen to today's College Draft Podcast with Matt Waldman. We keep it rolling. We only have a couple more divisions to go, so... We love it. Hopefully you guys love it as well. Little NFC West love today for you guys on the College Draft Podcast. And I already told you, we'll have Will Brinson on on Wednesday's Even Money Podcast. And you're really going to enjoy Wednesday's Ross Tucker Football Podcast. One of my former coaches, Mike Malarkey, retired at age 58, which is young for a coach to retire. I'm going to ask him why. On Wednesday's Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Shout outs go to my dudes at Pizza Boy Brewing and DynastyFreaks.com. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feasts, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.